This week's episode was recorded live at the election night event we held last week. While not all of the candidates we supported came away with a win, it was still a great night and certainly showed the power of the grassroots movement. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Well, here we are. This is what we do, right? We just wing it. We just go for it. We just start talking. Yeah. We got through this week. We took out an Al-Qaeda leader. And Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan, and we haven't started World War III, so that's, we're, we're good, right? We're, we're in a good did spot. She, did she land? Did she, she did she, land. Okay, yeah, she yeah. made it. Yeah, she landed and left. I can't hear. Yeah, I know. We don't have headphones on. This is kind of weird. <laughs> what did you just say? Uh, was it, was, did you hear, though, that Nancy, and Nancy Pelosi and I are really good friends? Did you hear? Did you, I did hear that. Did you get that in your mail? In Something your hit my mailbox about that, yeah. Can you yeah. explain? Yeah, she was, she was going to take me to Taiwan with her, but... <laughs> that didn't work out. Um, so tonight, uh, we're obviously doing something different. We're doing this live. And we're just going to talk to some candidates tonight about their experiences running and what that's been like. Yeah. So who's coming up first? Uh, I believe first we have uh, Miss Mary Smith. Mary, Mary Smith. Smith. Where's Mary? Smith, Smith for fifth. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited because sort of what we want to do tonight is it's election night, right? And there's so many volunteers, there's so many people that have, you've been in here and it's, it's is my first time running for office. I think it's Mary's first time running for office. Uh, oh. Mary. Woo. You got some fans, Mary. I think you got some voters. Oh, there, you go. there it is. Of course. Get the selfie. The selfie first. Yeah. Hashtag Smith for fifth. Hashtag Smith for fifth, yes. And that was actually given to me by a neighbor. Nice. Yeah, it was actually about two weeks after I started running. Um, one of my neighbors that my daughter baby says for, she goes, hey, I got the perfect tag for your mom. Hashtag Smith for fifth. Smith I for said, fifth. We're doing it. So, That's awesome. Yep, yard signs had already been made, but everything else, that was it. That's cool. Can I ask the first question? Go for it. Tell us about your shoes. My <laughs> shoes? So my Chuck Taylors are right here. Um, so I bought these. Red, red, white, and blue. They're red, white, and blue. Yes. And um, I bought these actually when. Uh, so it's kind of a long story, but after the election, I'm a, I'm a patriot at heart. So um, I kind of did this thing where I was like, I'm going all out, red, white, and blue, everything. So started looking for shoes. Started looking for clothes. Got some earrings here. They got little flags on them. Got a bracelet that's like red, white, and blue because I wanted to like show my patriotism because it's just really important to me. So um, at the beginning of my campaign, I put these Chuck Taylors on and I took a picture of them because we were getting ready to go out. My husband and I were going out and doing some door knocking, which is kind of intimidating if you've never done that before. I'm sure. So I took a picture of my shoes and I'm like, okay, we're getting ready to go on a journey here, you know? So my shoes have been with me the whole way. Um, We've walked tens of thousands of steps. Um, We've knocked on over 2,000 doors. Um, I've attended dozens of events. Um, It's been a journey for six months, and my Chuck Taylors have been with me, and they've held up, and they were with me today at the voting center on my feet, and they're still doing their thing. So I've had a picture at the beginning and the end. That's great. And speaking of door, like, so there's a lot of folks in here that knocked on doors. Raise your hand 
if you knocked on doors for a candidate. There's a lot of people in here. And so now put your hands down. Now raise your hand if you knocked on doors for a candidate and you really loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got two or three. Yeah. Although I think my husband's sitting there in the front row. I actually think he started to enjoy it towards the end. You know, he, he, he became an expert door knocker for me. So I totally appreciate what he did. It, it's a hard deal, but every now and then you end up having a really amazing conversation oh, uh, yeah. that you was totally unexpected. And that one conversation fuels you for the next two or three days. Yeah, the coolest thing was um, being at the voting center because I, you know, it was one of those things that I knew. I, I knew I had to knock on a lot of doors and I knew having a full-time job, it just was not physically or logistically possible. And I remember praying I was like looking at, I'm sitting there sitting in my office and I'm like, God, how can I possibly knock on all these doors? There's just no way I can do this. And within the next two days, I had a meet and greet. I met two incredible door knocking angels. Their names were Lori. And Lori's here tonight. I don't know where she's at. There she is. She's over there. So Lori and Connie stepped up to the plate. Not only did they take the first list, they came back for a second list and a third list and a fourth list. And I remember being at the voting center in the primary, and I just happened to show up. And this woman came out of the voting center and Lori just happened to be there. She just stopped by. This woman comes out, makes a beeline over to me. She goes, are you Mary Smith? I said, yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm Alice. She said, she knocked on my door and I knew I had to come out and vote for you. And then she prayed for me outside the voting center. And it was probably one of the most spiritual moments I could possibly imagine. And that was on the day of the primary when I was told I didn't have a chance. So... I proved him wrong. You didn't have a chance, but you got more votes than anybody yes, I in did. the district. Took out an incumbent. Woo. Took out an incumbent and uh, endorsed establishment. Strong person, they thought. Yeah. So, I, I think a lot of people don't... <clears throat> it, local politics is so dependent upon that face-to-face contact and that door-to-door is so important. And a lot of people who are new to the process fail to imagine the beneficial consequences of doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, it, is, it is priceless and, and necessary. And as we've seen, Gary, in your campaign and all of the liberty-minded campaigns, there is a real natural interest in the volunteers helping to go door-to-door, whereas the establishment candidates, unfortunately, they're mercenaries. They have to hire college students, interns who go and do it, and the impact that they make is not nearly the same Mm -mm. as we get from true volunteers who are passionate. So thank you to all the volunteers uh, for doing this for all of these candidates. I'd just like to to add to, um, just to the importance of the door knocking, if you don't do it as a candidate, you're missing out and probably one of the most rewarding parts of running for office because when I won the primary, the first thing that came to my mind was every single person's door I knocked on, and I knew that it was for them. So you need that connection with the community. So it's, it's hard, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Can, can we start with why, why you ran? Um, okay, well, I always like to start, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to start. I've always been, since the time I was born, I've always had this, like, deep sense of 
Um, I don't like injustice, and I don't like I don't like bullies. I don't. I was the youngest of four. I'm the only girl. I had three older brothers. I was the crap was beat out of me pretty much on a daily basis. Okay, and it made me tough, you know, and it, it made me um, see the world a little bit differently. And I don't. I never like to see somebody get picked on. I just there's something deep inside me that says. When something is wrong, it's wrong. And so fast forward to the, the 2020 election, and I knew something was wrong. And I didn't sleep for three days because I knew something bad had happened. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was bad. And I sat there and I watched all five swing states, watched all the hearings, and I saw people like myself step up who had everything to lose. These people are normal people, everyday jobs but they were willing to step up in that limelight. They got doxxed, they got threatened, and all they were doing was trying to do the right thing. And I said, you know what, enough's enough. I mean, I have a data background. I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm from Missouri, it's the show me state. I'm like, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna figure out what went wrong. So I, I dove into it, um, started standing up for election integrity, got myself kicked off Facebook because of it. Um, and after that, I had to look for other paths to righteousness. <laughs> so uh, I just found groups. I found groups on Telegram. I found groups in Signal, and I started to find my people. And before I knew it, I was digging into the data for the state of Georgia. I was digging into the data for the state of Tennessee. And, um, and that's where I found my path. And it's like God spoke to me and said, you know what? This is the time I prepared you for. Um, I didn't know I was going to be running for county commission um, until the fact, kind of what Gary ran into, where you saw the people who were elected, the people that were responsible for doing their job. We're not doing it. Mm. And I sat in meetings and I, and I, and I went to legislators and, and I knew that I wasn't set up to run for state, but I said, how do I get these machines out of our county? And I thought, you know, maybe county, county commission is the right fit for me. Um, but it was my friend Kathy Danner that wrote, she actually ran in uh, District 4. She was a county commissioner for eight years and her and I worked together at, at um, Nissan, which is where I work today. And she's the one, um, I went out to this coffee place and uh, I just remember sitting there in the coffee place and her explained to me like what was going on in the county, all the things were going wrong and I had no clue. I didn't even know what a county commissioner really did. And so I just looked at her and I said, how do we get good people to run for some of these offices? And she just looked at me and she goes, Mary, you need to run. And I was like, no way. I mean, I'm just not a politician. I'm an activist. You know, similar to, you know, Gary, you get out and you just do things. Yeah. And I think that's what really pushed me to start praying about it. And through prayer, I just felt like it was the right thing for me to do. I'm listening to you talk, and then I've, I've talked to so many people, you know, over the last two years. And actually, I've had this conversation tonight already in this room. I mean, you and I absolutely would not be running for all. I don't think anybody who's a candidate here tonight would be running for office had it not, had COVID not happened. You know, had the last two years not happened, I don't think we would have run for office. I don't think anyone in here maybe would have knocked on a door. I don't know. But I, and something else, the conversation I've been having is post, how many, if, if you're listening, how many of you would say you have a greater number of meaningful relationships now than, than you did before 2020. Is that true for a lot of people? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's amazing. That, that's definitely true for me. I think about the relationships here at this table. 
and how, how deep those relationships are, that all came out of our response to what we experienced over the last well, two years. I, I may not even know you, Gary. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't even know each other. Well, same thing. We met two years ago, right? Shortly after you put out that amazing video connecting all of the dots with the medical tyrants yeah. and how they were connected to the Lee administration exposing that pre-Tennessee stands. And then you and I met at Kathy Harms' house and been great friends ever since. Yeah, it's true. So... On that note, you, you've never run for office before, correct? No, never even thought so, about it. Oh, no, no, no. I ran for student council in high school. Okay. And I won. Did you win? I did win. I gave out blow pops. Okay. What are you going to give out if you win this time? Um, freedom. <laughs> nice. That was a good answer. Because good answer. Otherwise, there could have been legal liability had yeah, you given I, a different I, answer. Yeah, fortunately, I didn't have much sleep last night, but I got, I got that one right. Nice. So as someone who's never run before, what would be, um, what's the hardest thing you had to overcome getting into local politics for a room full of people who may be thinking about getting into local politics the next time around? I think the hardest thing is that um, you sacrifice a lot of family time. Yeah. And so um, we, you know, when I got into it, you go into it with you have the right heart and you know what you're going to do. And I've been lucky enough to have a family who's kind of sort of paying attention right now. But um, <laughs> they, have been, they have been really uh, instrumental in, in helping me not feel so guilty because I just haven't been able to have the family time. I've, we've had a lot of family milestones. We had a wedding. We had a high school graduation. Um, my son just turned 16 last week. So there's been a lot of milestones in those last six months. And I'm one that always goes all out for my family. And I haven't had the ability to do that. And that's been the, the hardest part, I think, for me personally. Um, but I, I know that I'm also doing it for them. And, you know, I have a grandchild on the way in December. So you want to be a grandmother. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it is, it's, you think about the bigger picture, and I think about my grandparents, and I think about my great-grandparents and the sacrifices they made, and I'm like, you know what? I still got it good. Hmm. Well, Mary, I'm thankful for you. Um, yeah, thanks. Really thankful that you chose to run. Um, I'm pretty confident that you're going to be representing us in the 5th District, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you, Gary. Smith for 5th, y'all. All right, should we go to the next one? Yeah, All right. fun. Miss Lisa Lennox, is Lisa. she in the building? Where is Lisa? She? How many of you met, if, if you've ever met Lisa, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining most of you have, she's a pretty popular person. How many of you met Lisa at the Davis General? Yeah. <laughs> I love that place, the Davis General in Leapers Fork is awesome. Whenever we were going through the whole COVID shenanigans and we were all looking for places to go, we found the Davis General because we had heard about it and we pulled up and there was a constitution hanging in the window. And I thought, this is the place for me. And it's still there. And it's still there. And it will stay there. Great pancakes, great Reuben. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And we didn't mask the entire time. But there's a lot more to Lisa. Yes. Than pancakes and ribbons. Yeah. I mean, how many commissioners can cook you breakfast or lunch, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so let's ask the same question. What was it for you? What was the why for you? COVID was pretty, you know, COVID was pretty eye-opening. We opened the Davis General a month before the lockdown, right? So February, the first week of February was our first week open in 2020. And, um, you know, we had, we're out in the country, so we had people coming in going, we're not masking, this is crazy, this is, this is made up. So, you know, and I, Greg and I are pretty independent, so we're like, okay, well, let's just see how this goes. We're not gonna mask. Um, we'll just see how this all works out because we didn't believe it was everything it was hyped up to be. And then when more and more people started coming in the store, like-minded, literally, and I've told Gary this, um, a gentleman, I wish I knew who it was, said, yeah, this guy at Tennessee stands, he's awesome. And I'm like, and he showed me something on Facebook. I said, I need to know who he is. I like him. So it was really Gary that got me. I think that's kind of all of our stories with Gary. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And Greg can Greg can attest you, to I that. I remember when you first reached out. You were trying. Yeah, get election a little closer integrity. to the mic. Oh, yeah, yes. you were trying to figure out how to get involved with election integrity. You were yes. really concerned about elections. So I'm from Georgia, and I've told people for years, Georgia's not blue. We're a red state. We are conservative, God-loving people, and I'm a Georgia girl. And when the cheating happened, I was like, that's it. And when I found out we were one of two counties with Dominion, I, was, I made a lot of new friends very quickly saying, how can we fight this and get Dominion out? What do I need to do? I'll do what I have to do. So it was multiple things, but COVID was the start of it. Uh, maybe it was the catalyst because the voting had already, I was very upset about you know, Georgia and the, and the loss. And, and then the uh, runoff, what a joke in Georgia. I mean, again, cheating. So um, those were two things. And I said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I can do something. I'm a smart person. I have a master's degree in international business. I mean, good grief. How hard could this be, right? <laughs> and I'll learn what I don't know. So um, I've actually had a neighbor who's pretty well-to-do and very um, connected to the establishment. And he came in and said, well, what are some of the first things you want to change? And I said, well, you know, there's a lot I need to, to learn. So I'm going to listen and learn. And I said, but I am very concerned that we have a billion-dollar deficit. You know, we're a billion dollars in debt. So I really think we need to take a look at the budget. And he looked at me. He said, well, you know, not one commissioner can make a difference. And I just looked at him and laughed. I said, we'll see. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah. You know what? And I'll just, I'll just say for Lisa, and if you, if you helped with Lisa's campaign, the challenge, and this all gets into like some of the nitty gritty of local politics, the challenge for Lisa in District 1 is that we've got 12 districts in Williamson County, and you're, you know, you're talking about a, a county commission race, but in District 1, you've got to cover from Fairview through Leapers Fork, yeah. all the way to Thompson Station and, and part of Spring Hill, Burwood, right? Burwood, yeah. yeah. Lot so, of I mean, your, your area, I mean, it's almost yeah. the entire uh, westernmost part of the county. I mean, it's almost, I, I had to cover a county, <laughs> but you're covering a great majority of a county just running for a county commission seat. That's a right. huge undertaking. Well, I've gone down a lot of one-mile-long driveways, and I've met a lot of dogs that... Yeah. I decided to stay in the car and leave. <laughs> I'm like, you have to decide whether you we, want to get out. I'm like, no. We had a we had a dog bite on the campaign trail, unfortunately. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, it what didn't didn't break the skin though. Scary. I didn't. I'm, I'm scaring. No one ever is going to want to work on campaigns now. It's not know, really right? that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is an interesting adventure, but I love it. I mean, this is. I, I love talking to people. I never meet a stranger, and I am committed. And I told Ricky today. I said, you know, we're now a team. My incumbent friend Ricky Jones. I said, you know, now we're a team. So we got to work together to make this a better county. And he goes, well, yeah. So I'm going to drag him along to my conservative beliefs and thoughts. Yeah. I think he'll go. There you go. <laughs> Great. Did you have a yeah. question, Kevin? No, I was just, if you didn't hear what Lisa said, the part that stuns me, but this happens all the time, is that when you were explaining to this member of the establishment who's your neighbor what you were going to do, and his response was, what difference can one person make? Sounds like Hillary. First of all, that's incredibly <laughs> insulting. Yes. Who is he to determine what effect you're going to have? Right. But if we lived by that standard, we wouldn't do anything. So thank you for your courage in resisting that kind of yeah. invective. Well, I expected it. And yeah. so my response, I was just waiting for something. And that's why I turned around and I just laughed. I said, we'll see. Yeah. And I smiled. And he yeah, just thank was like, you. <laughs> so thank you. And thank yeah. you for being a motivator and a catalyst. Because thank you for what you've done during COVID to give us hope. And I'm serious. I tell you all the time. You gave me hope yeah. to know that we can stand up and fight. And I tell people all the time. You know, Californians are like, oh, we didn't know. We didn't know that this was happening. And I said, look, you're in Tennessee now. You can still fight and we can still win. You know, give up on California, yep. but Amen. Tennessee, we can do this. Let's just all be together. And I am, I feel so warm and fuzzy and I'm being very honest. I feel like I am so with my people. I love that everybody here is like-minded and we love you. Thank you for volunteering and showing up and supporting us. Because the days when we're hot and sweaty and we're really tired and we didn't want to go on anymore, right, Mary? Mary and I would be like, oh my God. Um, it was the smiles, it was the thank you for running that made all the difference. So thank you very much for being you. Well, thank you, Lisa. So let's give Lisa a round of applause. Thanks, Lisa. I want to announce the next one because uh, I no, just... you took it from me. Uh, no, I know, but come but, on, come on. What? All right, you can have it. Oh, uh, you no, no, it's all ahead. yours. No, Go. You're, no, you know what? You're the host. No, you're the guy. This should be your job. I just anyone listening to this podcast, how many folks around the country are fortunate enough to actually have a school board candidate named Doc Holliday? Let's welcome Doc. Hello, Williamson County. There he is. As a huge Western fan, I'm just honored to be able to talk to somebody with that name. So, well, thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Glad yeah. Be here. Um, so let's start off with your why. Where Where are you at? Why Why did you run? Why did I run? Yeah, exactly. Um, I ran because it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Ran because it was the right thing to do. That's. I mean, if you really had to break it down to just the basics. Um, because we needed, we we have to, we have to take our schools back. We have to protect our children. Um, we came here for the schools. We we moved to Franklin for the schools, and we have uh, our daughter here tonight, and put her in uh, kindergarten. And it was right during the year when COVID came along, and and 
Really, ironically, the mask going on, everyone, helped pull the mask off yeah. of everything else that was going on. And um, we, we actually moved her out of uh, Poplar Grove after her first year when we put her in a, a different school. And I would like to make changes and get our schools back on track and get, get the school board back in its lane mm -hmm. to just educating our children academically instead of, thank you, instead of using, uh, instead of using academics as a vehicle to indoctrinate socio-political agendas. Yeah. That's gotta stop. Yeah. Thank you. Here, here to that. I just wanna point out too that, that Doc's race is a little nuanced than any other race represented here because you're running as an independent. That's right. Um, it's funny in District 10, how many people know my opponent, Eric Welch? <laughs> okay, well, I will say this, Eric's running as a Republican, but he's, he's not a Republican. No, he's um, clearly. Know, he was endorsed in 2014 by the Democratic Party. He's endorsed by Williamson Strong. Yeah. And has never met a liberal vote or a liberal agenda he didn't vote for. So we have a Democrat that's running as a Democrat. We have another Democrat that's running as the Republican. And the actual conservative option was me, was the independent. So that was our challenge. And our job was to go out and make sure that people understood that they couldn't just go and push the R button and expect to get an actual conservative. You know, to do that, it wasn't business as usual. We had to do it different this time. And like you're talking about, I think this is, this is, I think this is not just a battle for seats. This is a reckoning. This is a reckoning. This is, that's what we're, what we're seeing right now. Thank you. And you and you would expect Doc Holliday to say something like that. <laughs> well, it's also very fitting. I will say this. Whatever the outcome in District 10, I'm just grateful that it didn't sink to the level of personal attacks. Yeah. So, Doc, yeah. what was your most inspiring moment on the campaign trail? What, wow. The thing that the, will stick with you the longest? The most inspiring moment for me was... Um, there were, can I lump a lot of moments into one moment? The most inspiring thing to me through the whole process was the people, you, you guys, people would call me up out of the blue and just say, hey, we want to pray for you and your campaign and for your family. And, and they would do it just on the phone or people would, I'd see people out and they would come up and say, we just want to pray for you right now. The fact that people understood that it was more than just a school board race, that it's a spiritual battle too, that was, that was incredible. It let me, know, um, let me know that we're on the right path and, and we're on the side of, of what's right. And I think the other, um, the other thing that was the most touching and inspiring to me is, I, I don't know how many of you guys know my background. I've been in recovery and sober 16 years. And, and when I decided to run for this office, I knew that all of my, my past and all those things were gonna be brought up and, and weaponized and my family was gonna be exposed uh, publicly in the papers and everything else. But we knew it was the right thing to do and decided to do it anyway. And you guys that have supported us and supported me through this, um, I just can't tell you, I never thought I would be running for public office. I mean, I just can't, under, can't believe it. It, it, 
Thank you. It, it's, it's beyond humbling to, to just have all of your support. I, if I was going to pick the best people in Tennessee and put them in a room tonight, I would be here with you guys. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all of you. Thank you. So thank, thank you for that. Sure. Now, now I have a follow-up question sure. that goes to the opposite end of the spectrum. Anything embarrassing or really funny happen on the campaign trail? <laughs> well, when I'm around... You would like the, to admit. Oh, sure. I, I'm an open book. I, the, I, the, thing that, the thing that I think most people are probably familiar with is... Anybody see the big sign over on 96? <laughs> so, this... Please listen to this, because this is the best. <laughs> So anyway, um, I had this couple that were on Murfreesboro Road in the main 96, you know, coming into Franklin, the main drag, and they, they called me out of the blue and said, hey, we, we like what you stand for. We've been praying for your campaign, and we were trying to think of what can we do for you? And they said, we would like you to come put a giant sign in our yard. So I thought, I'll put a giant sign in your yard. So I ordered the biggest sign I could get, which was four feet by eight feet, and um, so I got that, and I took it, and I put it in their yard. And apparently, a couple of days later, I got an email that said, um, your sign is too big. There's been a complaint. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't get my head around who might have made that complaint. <laughs> but in any event, I said, well, how big can it be? And they said, 16 square feet. And mine was 32 square feet. So I said, well, I got to work for another day or two, but on my next day off, I'll take care of it. So my solution was I went and measured to the middle of it, and I cut it in half <laughs> and sp spread it apart and made two signs out of it. Listen, what, I, what we're trying to tell you is you are voting for a problem solver <laughs> on the school board. Well... I'm a country boy, and you know, country boy can survive, and, and we can fix anything but duct tape and a pocket knife. And, but you know, I was—I um, guess you would call it maliciously compliant. That's awesome and very creative. Yes. Appreciate that. Well, I mean, I assume the person that made the complaint was very happy because it was compliant. In all seriousness, I just—I want to point out for you because we've known each other for a bit. I mean, pretty much since I started Tennessee Stands. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the factory having this conversation with you about you possibly running and you were like, no, you know, some things in my past, I'm not the right guy, you know, whatever. And um, man, two things, the fact that you ran knowing, you ran for office knowing, knowing that you were gonna endure public attacks and that your family was gonna endure attacks because of that. And then two, when the Republican party decided not to vouch for you, which, which means you knew you were going to have a, an uphill climb, right. not being a Republican, running as an independent, trying to unseat a Republican, which is incredibly difficult in and of itself to do in a county like Williamson County. And so with all of the deck stacked against you, knowing what you were up against, bro, the fact that you stood up and you ran because you knew it was the right thing to do, and that, that to me... That's who I want in That's the kind of people I want in office. Thank you, Gary. Well, Doc, we thank you. So let's give one more applause right. for Doc Holliday. Thank you all.
know anybody else that's running? I mean, Gary ran for a little something today. this guy right here? Didn't you? <laughs> hey, we could turn this podcast into an interview of Gary. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I Gary, mean, why, why I did you... I don't even really know how you're still standing today, right, right now. Today was crazy for you. You went to how many polls? I don't know, nine or ten. I can't remember, but I went from Fairview to Nolansville, so we, we just went everywhere. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I think I've, I've done meet and greets in so many, so many homes. I don't know if we did 40 or somewhere between 40 and 50. I don't know what we did during the campaign. But I've said this a few times. I've been asked the question, you know, why did, why did you choose to run? Was there an aha moment? And, um, you know, for me, there, there, there sort of was. And it was, it was last year in October during the special session that we had fought so hard to get to deal with all these, this COVID nonsense. People were losing their jobs and we needed, protect, we needed our legislature to step up and protect the liberties of the people. And finally, we get the special session. And if you, know, if you follow Tennessee Stands, you know things, what was supposed to be two and a half weeks ended up being two days. They're rushing it through. And we found that this bill they were gonna pass gave all of these carve-outs to the federal government. Here we are, Tennesseans, we're going to defend liberty, um, unless you're a healthcare worker, and unless you work for a federal contractor, and unless Joe Biden says you get the shot, and you're hosed. You know, Tennessee's not going to protect you. I could not believe we had put those federal exemptions where Tennessee didn't even have the gall to stand up to the federal government and say, no, not here. We're protecting liberty. We're wholly unconcerned with the next executive order from Joe Biden. And so, whenever we found that language, I I went hunt down uh, Senator Jack Johnson, and he gave me his time, and he came out of the Senate chambers. There's a lot of craziness going around. And so we're standing there in the Capitol, and I I give him the bill, and I say, Senator, do you understand that this language is in this bill that says— Tennesseans aren't protected if the federal government says they need to take the shot or they lose their job. Well, you know, yeah, Gary, I know that's in there. But, and he said, he said two things. The first thing he said is, well, we don't have the votes. You, you've got 33 senators, so your majority is 17. You need 17 votes to pass something on the Senate floor. And he said, well, we just don't have the votes. I'm thinking, you're the majority leader. Go get the votes. Like... That's literally your only purpose in life, is to go get the votes. But, uh, but we weren't going to do that. And then the second thing he said was this, which if you've listened to anything that I've said on this podcast or in a video, you know how I feel about the courts. And, and this, isn't, this isn't unique to Jack at all. This is, you, gotta, you need to understand, this is the way your legislature thinks not just in Tennessee, but in legislatures across the country, we have forgotten that a legislator has the constitutional prescribed duty to pass law to defend your liberty. And so he said this, well, we just decided we didn't want to pass a bill that's going to get us in court. What is that? So what what you're saying is you can't pass a law to protect my liberty until we get permission from a judge? Like, do courts make laws now? And that's a, that, to me, was such a, a, a dangerous and disconnected statement because at this point in time in 2022, God help us 
if we can't get a legislature that has the ability to stand up to courts who continue to be convinced that you have no rights uh, when it comes to the federal government. And, and think about our political enemies on the left. Have they ever rested content to say, well, we're, we're a little bit worried about what the courts are going to say, so we're not going to advance with that legislation, or we're not going to take that action. And yet everybody on our side, or who alleges to be on our side, capitulates, capitulates to the courts. I want to tell you something about Gary's courage that some of you may know. Can I tell them a story about what happened to you the first night that we met? Do you remember what happened? I don't know, but you're going to tell it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah, so Gary and I met at an event a couple of years ago where we were both invited to speak to grassroots at the, um, at the behest of Kathy Harms, and she had a tremendous group over at her home. Patriots, people who were concerned about uh, the loss of liberty, uh, the loss of order during COVID. And after that meeting, Gary and I had a get-together for dinner, and we're getting to know each other. And Gary let me know that that night when he got home, this is because Gary had, I believe he had just filed a lawsuit in Williamson County Schools, one of the mask mandate lawsuits. Well, it wasn't just a lawsuit. We had just done a rally on the steps of City Hall, and I had called the school board out very publicly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand who lives in the community among you. Because when Gary got home that night, he had found that someone had dumped oil. Diesel. Diesel. Diesel fuel over in all of his flower beds, over your entire yard. The entire front yard. All entire the way front everything. yard. I mean, these are Marxist tactics, all because Gary had the quote-unquote audacity to challenge our elected leaders for doing things that were violating our liberties. Now, a weaker man, and perhaps someone who would surrender to the courts, might give up when that happens. But that only inspired Gary, so I wanted, to let, wanted you to know that Gary has an incredible amount of courage. Thanks. Well, on that note, I'm not sure where she's sitting. My wife, Andrea, is here somewhere. But I'll, oh, she's over there in the back in the red dress. But I'll tell you also, my wife, her response basically was, well, bring it on. <laughs> We're not going to stop. So. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you, Kevin, because you wrote a book. Well, what do you call it? You call it either a very short book or a very long speech. Very long speech, yes. yes. A pamphlet. Uh, can you, a, a fancy pamphlet. Yes. Can you just let everybody know? Because you've got a box here tonight, right? I do have a box. Yeah, and this is not about me, but... Um, no, but just tell what the book is about. Yes, yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar, I, I said that like my wife. I said, familiar. <laughs> that was funny. For those of you who are unfamiliar... I recently wrote a book that we've advertised on our podcast and at Tennessee Stands called An Apologetic for Liberty. Thank you. If you've not read that book, it will only take you an hour. I do have a box. It was over here yeah, in front of the soundboard. That is basically my response to, well, I'll tell you. I start the book by talking about a confrontation that I had with Jack Johnson because I called him in early 
February of 20, well, this was 2021, after we'd already had a year of tyranny. And I said, Jack, there's talk about even the stores, Publix, Walmart, other places of public accommodation requiring masks of their customers and jabs for their employees. I said, what are you going to do to secure our liberties from clearly an overreach? And Jack basically told me that, well, these are private businesses, they have the right to do that. And I said, Jack, on the one hand, yes, it is, it is important to emphasize property rights, but the property rights of the business are not the only property rights of concern. We as individuals also have what James Madison referred to as property rights in our ideas and in our beliefs. And so I asked Jack, I said, what is the basis upon which you have chosen to prioritize? Because there's a conflict of rights here. You've got business property rights and individual property rights. Why are you choosing the business over the individual? Well, I don't think Jack had any um, intellectual means of answering that because he just kind of dismissed it and got all ruffled in the feathers and said, I've not chosen business. But clearly, everything that he has done has chosen business over the individual. Um, and so I wrote this little book which expands upon the foundation of our liberty, um, rooted in Christ. Uh, our liberty makes no sense if the world is not what God says it is in the scriptures. And so if you're curious to read that, take you one hour to read. If you have friends who are interested, I printed 10,000 of them. We've already distributed 5,000, not only here in the state of Tennessee, but there have been requests for them as far away as California, Seattle, Washington, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, North Carolina, um, Massachusetts, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, I mean, so... Montana. Montana. So I'm very excited and I wanted to do that for free um, so that people would read it because they wanted to read it. And it's, it's, I think it's worth your time, but I, I appreciate the opportunity to give yeah, it a pitch. Absolutely. It's one of the best free things you'll ever get. Yeah. Uh, I don't, how many people actually listen to the, to the Freedom Matters podcast? Thank you. I appreciate that. Somebody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> Hey, one thing we do when we end every episode is we, we put little invites out, right? Yeah. I mean, so, Joe Rogan's still welcome. He's always welcome at Anytime. He could have He could have been here tonight. He could have been here tonight, if he you're right. And, and Matt Walsh. And Matt Walsh. He's always welcome, because too. Because he is. I mistakenly one time said he was the low-hanging fruit. I meant he was the geographical. Not because he's not awesome, only because he's He lives close here. He lives here in here Nashville. Close by. Geographical low-hanging fruit. <laughs> anyway... Uh, that's all we've got for the podcast tonight. Thank you guys for yeah. joining me on stage. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.